0: What do you think of this bow tie? What do you think of that? Huh? Huh? Do you like that? You know, I was feeling pretty good about that. Thinking, boy, I'm feeling pretty dapper. That's a a word my dad used to use, dapper. Oh, I'm trying. I'm trying. You know, I'm just trying to upgrade the wardrobe here. Uh, You know, we've been talking about the meaning of Christmas in a single verse John 3 16. So, would you join me in saying that, please? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Each phrase of that verse contributes to our understanding of the meaning of Christmas. For God so loved the world gives us the perfect motivation for Jesus to come. You know, why would God send His Son into a world that was only going to mistreat Him and crucify Him? He did it because He loved us. Love is the perfect motivation. And because He loved us, He didn't just send us something that might help us. He sent us the very thing we need, the perfect gift, which is Jesus. We needed a Savior. And the only one who could fulfill our need for a savior was jesus so this morning i want to look at the perfect response to god's perfect love as shown in his perfect gift and that's our faith whoever believes in him let's think about that word whoever that's a great word That's a word I always take notice of. Whenever the Bible says everyone, anyone, all, or whoever, I perk up at that. Because I know he's talking to me. If you could go out into outer space, and if you could have a huge magnifying glass that would allow you to see every single person on this planet, seven plus billion people. You could not find a single person that is outside the scope of whoever. I know a lot of people that struggle with that. I have people come and talk to me from time to time that just feel like they're outside that circle, that scope. See, you know, my life has just been too bad. I've made too many wrong choices. I've done too many wrong things. And I've just repeatedly done things over and over that dishonor God. I can't imagine that he could possibly love me or would want me uh, in his kingdom in heaven. And it's such a joy to be able to go to a verse like John three sixteen and say, what does that word say? Whoever. That's you. There are no, no one outside of whoever. You know, just look at who came to the manger when Jesus was born. The angels in heaven showed up. Well, that might be expected. But then these lowly shepherds came. And then the wise men came. If King Herod had gotten down off his throne and made that journey from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, And bowed to Jesus. He would have been accepted as well. If Pontius Pilate had left the governor's palace. And gone. And knelt before Jesus. He would have been included as well. The only ones who are outside the circle of whoever. Are the ones who choose. To put themselves there. God excludes No one from his love and grace. But we can choose to exclude ourselves. You know, every now and then I get something in the mail and it wants to know if I want to opt out of something. You know, I've automatically been included, but I can opt out. Well, the only way we are outside of God's love and grace is if we choose to opt out of it. And even then... He holds it out to us. You can always come back into that circle. Whoever believes in him. What does believe mean? That word is, is pretty general in nature. What does it mean to believe in something? A lot of people have a very vague idea of some kind of divine cosmic being that you might refer to as God. Is that enough? Some people will uh, seek to be spiritual, to connect with their inner self. And as long as they practice some form of spirituality, they feel like that is enough. But when the Bible says, whoever believes in him, we must not leave off the in him. It's not just whoever believes in something, whoever believes in some form of some kind of deity, but it's whoever believes in him. Well, who's the him? The perfect gift. The one and only son that he mentioned in the previous phrase. So our belief... Must not just be in something spiritual, not just in some kind of a God somewhere, but the belief must be in Jesus. Paul helps us out in Romans 10, verse 9. He says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, he's helping us define what that word believes mean. It's a specific belief in a specific person, Jesus. And even then, it's believing specific things about him. Not just that he lived, that he was a good man or a great teacher, but that he was indeed God in the flesh. Did you catch that in there? You have to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That song we just sang a bit ago—it's become one of my favorites. We believe. It it listed out those things. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe that He died for us. We believe that He rose from the dead. There's content to this belief. And once we believe it in our heart, it says we confess it with our mouth. That means we are willing to share that belief with others. In my house when I was growing up, my father was of that old uh, school that said religion was private. You never talked about religion with people. What you believed, you believed, and what they believed, they believed, and you just didn't bring it up. But there was something he didn't count on. His son becoming a pastor. He didn't plan on that. You know, we talked about curveballs in life. I threw him a slider. Right in there. Never went to church in his life. (laughs) And I went home one day and said, guess what, Dad? What? I'm going to be a pastor. Pastor. Oh good. <laughs> you know, you can just you can just hear the enthusiasm in his voice. That's just great. That's that's good. And of course, once I became a pastor, he started going to church. <laughs> he said, "I guess I really should go to my son's church, you know." Say I'd appreciate it. That'd be nice. And for the first time, we began to have some conversation around belief in Jesus. We believe it in our heart. We confess it with our mouth. And inherent in that is that we live it out in our lives. This is where a lot of people fall short. They say, I believe it in here. I'll speak it. But does it affect how we live? There's a Christian author named Greg Groschel. He's he's a pastor as well. But he wrote a book called The Christian Atheist. And the title intrigued me. I said, how can that be? (laughs) How can you have a Christian atheist? That's one of those, what do we call them, oxymorons, where you put two things together that are completely opposites and don't fit. (laughs) How can you be a Christian atheist? But his point in that book was that there are a lot of people in our culture today who will say they believe and they will confess it. They may even get baptized. They may even go to church. They may even read the Bible. They may even pray once in a while. But when it comes to the manner in which they live their life from day to day, it has absolutely no impact. And you can't see a bit of difference between this person who claims to be a Christian and this person who does not. And therefore, he calls them a Christian atheist. (laughs) They say they believe, but they live as if they don't. And uh, that book got me thinking a lot. Um, You know, Jesus was, was very adamant about this point. He He said, the wise man is the one who not only hears my word, but does it. That gives you the solid foundation for your life. If you just hear my word, but don't do it, you're on the sand and you're going to wash out. He went on to say, you know, a tree by its fruit. Do you want to know if that's an apple tree? Does it have apples? (laughs) A peach tree does it have Peaches. Can people look at our lives and know what kind of tree we are? Can they look at me and say, that's a Christian tree? James really hit that hard when he said, faith without works is dead. It's dead faith. So, If if there is nothing in your life that is evidence of the faith that's in your heart, then is it really there? So we believe it in our heart, we confess it with our mouth, and then we live it out in our lives. You know, a perfect example of this is the the visit of the wise men. One night the wise men were staring up at the heavens and they noticed the appearance of a brand new star. It's a star that had not been there before. And they could have ignored it. They could have stood there and said, oh look, a bright new star. That probably means something. What's for dinner? They could have sat around for countless hours debating the meaning of the star. Well, I think the new star means this. No, no, that's a dumb idea. Here's what the new star means. No, both of you guys are wrong. The star means this. But no, when that star appeared, They believed it. They believed the ancient prophecies that had foretold it. And we know they believed it because they didn't ignore it. They didn't sit around and talk about it. They packed up their camels and they set out on a journey that is estimated to have been nearly a thousand miles and took them almost two years to make and they traveled two years going a thousand miles so they could bow down before a child and offer him gifts and worship him. That, my friends, is faith. And it's in contrast to what happened among the Jewish people. They travel the thousand miles over two years. What's interesting in in Matthew's account is the star does not lead them straight to Bethlehem, does it? The star leads them to Jerusalem. And then it disappears. As if that is the end of their journey. But it's not the end of their journey. They have a divine appointment with King Herod. And God wants to make sure they go see Herod and not go straight to the manger. So he had the star over Jerusalem and then he turned it off. (laughs) And when they get to Herod, Herod is a bit confused. He doesn't understand why these three travelers have come such a long way over such a long period of time to see someone that he knows nothing about. So he calls the chief priests. These are like the head religious leaders of the Jewish faith. And he says, what's the deal? They say there's a new king that was born. And they go to the scriptures. And they say, well, according to the prophets here, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem, which is down the road about seven miles So they go to the wise men. They tell the wise men, apparently the one you're looking for is down the road, about seven miles. The Bible says the star reappeared and this time directed them straight to the place where Jesus was. But the chief priests of the Jewish people didn't make the journey. These foreigners... These strangers traveled a thousand miles over two years because they believed in Jesus. The chief priests, who knew the scriptures and had been waiting for centuries for the coming of the Messiah, were not willing to walk seven miles down the road because they didn't believe it. Well, yeah, the Bible says that, but what does that really mean? What's for dinner? And we have in these two groups of people, the wise men and the chief priest, kind of what's happening in our world in in our celebrations of Christmas today. There are wise men and there are unwise men. There are people who will spend this entire month we call Advent worshiping, And turning their hearts toward Jesus. Reflecting upon the birth of Jesus. Enhancing and increasing and practicing their faith. Just like the wise men. And then there are those who will spend this entire month. Buying gifts. Planning parties. Attending family gatherings. Watching christmas vacation on television and a christmas story and and all those movies that we have and when the month is over and the trees come down they will have not thought once about what the whole thing is about like the chief priests they will close up the book and say that's nice what's next The only response we can make to the perfect love of God as demonstrated in his perfect gift is to give him our faith. That's all he wants. He wants you to believe. And not just believe, but truly believe. He wants you to believe it in your heart, to confess it with your mouth and seek to live it out each day in your life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for sharing with us the story of the wise men. For some, it's just a, a nice part of an old story. But for us, it's an example of what it means to truly believe in Jesus. The faithfulness that they exhibited We want that to be our faith. We want to believe in you in such a way that we will will do whatever it is you call us to do. That we will stay true to your word. That we will honor you. Not just at Christmas, but every day of our lives. May faith be our response to your perfect gift of Jesus. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Each Sunday we give you an opportunity to make a faith response to Jesus. If there's anyone here who is ready to take that step of faith to say, I believe in the one who was born at Christmas. I believe in the one who died on the cross. I believe in the one who rose again. I have that faith in that person called Jesus that I invite you to come. It would be my privilege to receive you, to share with you in a simple confession of faith, accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, praying with you, and then we'll prepare for your baptism. Let's stand together. We're going to sing number 193 verses 1 and 4, and we invite you to come.